0: But right now, we can go to another city that is uh, going through some tough times, and that is Boston in Massachusetts, where Celeste Katz is our correspondent. Celeste, good morning. Good morning. This is not a good day, and not a good day for the United States. Uh, The US has now outstripped the rest of the world in coronavirus cases, which happened about a week ago, but it seems as though... There are just more people dying. I mean, like it took a couple of months to get to a thousand people, a couple of days to get to two thousand deaths, and then practically, I think, three thousand deaths the next day, and four thousand deaths. This is—it seems to me, anyway—in the U.S., out of control.
1: Yeah, we're really, we're really starting to get to that point. We've had uh, thousands of people, uh, close to two thousand people, dying already in New York, uh, in Boston. Here, uh, we are doing better. Uh, but at the same time, we have uh, something in common with a lot of other places, which is that we have not seen the peak of what's called a surge uh, here in Boston. Uh, we are hoping that uh, Massachusetts, which has a lot of hospitals uh, per capita, it's a big academic center and medical and technology center, which is to our benefit. But uh, at the same time, we are sort of waiting for the worst. It hasn't yet come.
0: So, yes, you've got some of the greatest uh, teaching hospitals in the world in Boston, but unfortunately um, there's, uh, like so many other places in the world, there is a lack of um, equipment. In fact, your governor spoke about this. This is what he had to say.
1: We are doing everything we can through an incredibly messy thicket that is enormously frustrating to try to get them the gear that they deserve and they need. You know, we now have other orders that are outstanding that are probably quote unquote confirmed but we've literally gotten to the point where our basic position is until the gut until the thing shows up here in the commonwealth of mass it doesn't exist but i'm telling you people are spending hours and hours and hours trying to get this stuff here our first responders our healthcare workers everybody deserves to have that gear and i'm telling you we're killing ourselves trying to make it happen
0: You know, I saw um, a picture of a hospital in New York where the PPE, they call it, the personal protection equipment, they were giving out to the healthcare professionals were the emergency rain ponchos they give you at a Yankees game. I mean, that is appalling. How has this happened?
1: I think there's a a couple of things that happened. Number one, this is something that obviously people are, are... Monday morning quarterbacking a lot. It's very unfortunate. Frankly, I think it's embarrassing and shameful what's happening in the United States. And I say this as uh, somebody who usually has a pretty high opinion of of America, but we just do not seem to have been prepared uh, in a lot of ways. Was our response time too slow? Uh, Why do we have states competing against each other for this PPE, for medical equipment, for ventilators? Why isn't more of this stuff produced in the United States? Why are we suddenly realizing that the largest producer of things like surgical masks is China? And, you know, if China has a problem, which it does, we have a problem, which we do. So that, you know, that's been sort of a a rude awakening. And then there's, of course, been, and I'm sure you're familiar with it, just an incredible amount of criticism of the federal government and of the White House? Why did it take so long to respond? Why was this downplayed? Why were the American people told that they didn't have to, uh, you know, sequester themselves, stay at home, that maybe churches should be packed on Easter? Um, I think a lot of people are really enraged at the same time that they're really frightened, legitimately frightened. I mean, some of the people I covered. I've just moved to Massachusetts from New York. I'm a, a native, you know, uh, born New Yorker. And, um, I'm reading about city councilmen in my city that say they have five friends that died this week, this week of coronavirus. Yeah. So the, the United States is supposed to be, you know, so, uh, so wealthy, so well-prepared to have an overabundance of everything. Uh, you know, I remember a few weeks ago, you and I were talking about this wild idea, why would people be hoarding toilet paper? And now uh, people are you know, looking at something that's extremely frightening, and I think a lot of people are having trouble coping
0: with it. So one of the interesting things I read today was that what the story, according to White House sources, and take that for what it's worth, was that the president gambled. That was the word they used, gambled that it would not be as bad. And so the response was very slow, even though he's been criticising the governors of, of New York and New Jersey for their slow response. That the federal government's response was slow because the president gambled. He thought it would not be as bad. And everything he said over the last couple of months, right up until this week, where he sounds like he's starting to get serious and realize how terrible this is going to be, maybe because he thinks this might cost him the election. I don't know. But um was that, you know, oh, we've got this covered, you know, it'll go away magically, it's nothing's gonna happen. And I mean, that's a terrible gamble to take because now 250,000, 300,000 people might die because of it.
1: I think that, and this is something that we have talked about also in the past, If it's if the intention of the president or the intention of the White House or public officials is to limit panic, is to encourage people to face this calmly and think about it and prepare for it in orderly fashion, that's fine. That's a very different message though um, than uh, this is going to magically disappear or things will get better in the summer or you can't let uh, the cure be worse than the disease a lot of this um, a lot of this rhetoric has really been focused on uh, trying to keep the economy here as steady as possible and there came a point when, there was almost a direct correlation between the President of the United States speaking publicly about coronavirus and the markets tanking. And, you know, this is, people don't need economic uncertainty at a time when some of them are literally, literally fighting for their lives. And so, if the government wants to encourage people to be calm and not to panic shop, not to get tested when uh, the test results might not be uh, meaningful or uh, not to use up or hoard gear or equipment that we really need in our hospitals right now. That's one thing telling everybody that this is just going to go away or, you know, celebrating how many more people would have died instead of all the people that are currently dying. That That's a very different thing. And I think that's what, what people are dismayed about.
0: Also a couple of comments from the president. One is he was boasting about how big his numbers were on TV ratings and also on Facebook. I mean, Again, it's, it's sending the wrong message, it's, it's, a, it's sounding the wrong note that he thinks, it seems that people would be impressed by that. The number of lives that you can save is one thing, yeah, the, the only number that anyone cares about is how many people die. At this stage, how many cases and how many people die, and unfortunately that number is growing along with perhaps his ratings.
1: Well, the, I mean, the last public statement that we have from the president of the United States right now, uh, as far as I know, is uh, he's tweeting about the price of oil and about uh, speaking to his friend, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, who spoke with President Putin of Russia and talking about cutting back oil production to, you know, to affect uh, yeah. prices. Um it's not that the economy isn't important. It's not that we don't want to have a world to come back to. But when half of humanity is on lockdown, uh, the president talking about television ratings or playing the blame game with governors or the CDC or China, um, you know, maybe that's not what people need to hear right now. Mm. Maybe people need to hear that, uh, that we're going to be okay. I think if you've heard about some of the attention that Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York has been getting in this situation, uh, people really praising him for striking a leaderly tone but also doing something about it, getting field hospitals built, uh, fighting other states, frankly, for the equipment that he needs to to uh, serve people who are sick in the state of New York. I think that there's a, a real contrast there and I don't think President Trump particularly likes that contrast. It's
0: interesting also because when something like this happens, generally the U.S. is first to help. They send people to deal with the Ebola virus. I'm sure they did it in uh, with SARS and bird flu and swine flu as well. But in this case, it's every person for themselves. Every country, more or less, is dealing with this. And everyone is kind of, kind of doing it in their own way. And the the U.S. is basically just too big. To, uh, to solve this problem by itself. I mean, getting a vaccine is one thing, and that's going to be, despite what the President said earlier, that might be a year away, and even that, it's not going to help the people who've got it now, is it?
1: No, I mean, yeah, a year, a year and a half away is, uh, is one thing. And a lot of things that, uh, you know, we do have a robust federal government in the United States, but we also have, Well over 300 million people in this country. A lot of things are administered at the state level, or the county, or the city level. Because yeah, New York. Excuse me. uh, The United States is super big, super populous, super spread out, and so for a lot of things, it makes sense for localities to handle that stuff. But now you have a case where I mean, the governor of Massachusetts, as you, uh, as we heard from him earlier in your clip, he's talking about fighting for this equipment. Now, who is he fighting? He's probably fighting other states. Certainly the state of New York has talked about that a lot. You have states now here in the U.S. that are bidding against each other to get this equipment from uh, suppliers from overseas. Uh, You know, that's why a lot of people are talking right now about the Defense Production Act. If the United States is going to tackle this on a wartime footing, should uh, private companies essentially be pressed into public service by uh, being asked to produce equipment that is desperately needed right now. Uh, why is that happening? Or why is there such a patchwork of uh, regulations where some some parts of the United States are still not under stay-at-home orders? Or uh, Florida, where personally, you know, I have a lot of family in the state of Florida, and they have finally, finally, finally issued a stay-at-home order, but they are exempting places like churches, synagogues, from uh, from staying closed. That's where people get in contact with each other, literally the word congregation, yes. people coming together. That's where people get sick. So I think people are looking to the federal government for unified guidance in a way that... Maybe that is not so usual, despite the name, United States. A lot of states go their own way. That's usually yeah, but pretty okay. Maybe uh, not right now.
0: For the last 40 years, maybe longer, but certainly since Ronald Reagan became president, there's been, been this anti-federal government feeling. You know, government is not the answer. It's you know the problem and all that sort of stuff. And that has just become so ingrained in, I hate to say it, the Republican Party and how they play their politics, whether it be in the Senate with Mitch McConnell, whether it be Trump or Bush or or Reagan or anyone, that when the government, the federal government, really needs to step up and take charge... People are not taking any notice of them in a way, and it has been the state governors who have who know what the problem is in their own state. It doesn't matter whether they're Democrat or Republican; they have been the ones telling the truth. Whereas at the federal level, we've been giving getting all sorts of idiotic comments that have been unhelpful to everyone, really, haven't they?
1: I think what if you want to take the long view of this, and the thing that I worry about personally um, is that what we are doing now in the united states to mitigate this problem the social distancing the stay-at-home orders school closures closure of all the essential businesses and services all that stuff is going to help and there is a really major value to stopping this community spread but in a way what we're also doing is we're just delaying the spread of the disease what happens especially if people are carrying asymptomatically what happens a month from now say uh, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, where I live, uh, that's when the stay-at-home order is supposed to be uh, eased up for now, and that could change. What happens when we all come back out of our homes? Kids go back to school, people go back to work, are we going to see another big wave of people getting sick? And if what we're doing right now is to delay that wave, mm. what are we doing in that interim to prepare are we doing enough or are we just running in circles sure. where Governor Baker of Massachusetts or Governor Cuomo of New York are, are bidding each other on medical supplies?
0: So uh, one of our Texas JC in Tweed says coronavirus peaking in three months in Australia is garbage. It will peak the same day the vaccine is distributed. I don't know whether that's the peak, but we'll see what happens, JC. You may be proved right. Um we will see. We will see. I mean, there has been a good side in some ways, or at least there's got to be a silver lining, and one of them is about uh, crime. Now, with fewer people on the streets, the crime rate has dropped, hasn't it? And certainly it has in Massachusetts, or certainly in Boston.
1: Yeah, there was a, there's a report out that says uh, from March 2019 to uh, March of 2020, a 15% drop in certain kinds of crime uh, in the city of Boston, uh, sexual assault cases, rape cases, uh, burglary, larceny—a uh, lot of that is just due to the fact that people are staying home. People are not, uh, you know, encountering each other on the streets. Um, there's a lot fewer car stops, traffic stops, because people aren't driving around. So yeah, that's that's a uh, one, you know. One One little uh, sunbeam in this uh, in this very dark night is that mm. certain kinds of crimes in Boston have dropped precipitously as a result of the restrictions.
0: Now something else that's happened in Australia and it's happening in in Massachusetts, and that is that people who are lucky enough to have a beach house or something like that that they can go, a holiday house, were going there to get away from the city. Uh, so that, you know, maybe there are much fewer people around, fewer chances or less chance of uh, contracting the virus. Now, in Boston, they all like to head down to Cape Cod. A lot of people do have houses down there. And Cape Cod, or the people who live there, because you're coming out of winter, and they've been there sort of for the winter, and uh, most of the crowd come down in the summer, they don't like that. What have they been doing?
1: Yeah, they've actually started a petition that... I think had uh, five, almost six thousand signatures to close the bridges to Cape Cod to keep people from coming in. People who are out-of-staters or part-time residents, uh, you know, not only from bringing the disease with them, but for um, you know putting extra stress on the grocery stores, on the hospitals and uh, medical facilities. Uh, people who live there full-time in Cape Cod say that you know they don't want a bunch of people essentially driving up there from from other parts of Mass or from New York uh, and sort of holing up in their summer homes or their vacation homes for the duration. And uh, I don't think that's going to happen. The last I heard, I believe, the uh, uh, Army Corps of Engineers said that those bridges were uh, essential infrastructure and they were not going huh. to be closed down. But you can see this this sort of siege mentality that's that's going on in some parts of the United States right now.
0: Well, i noticed that there are some islands off the coast of some states that have stopped people coming across to the island. They figure, well, you know, we're okay now. There was one island in Maine I saw that um, they're not letting anybody come to the island.
1: Yeah, I think that that encouraging people, um, you know, that's that, that's one thing. I think that a full closure of, of major bridges to uh, to a part of the Commonwealth might be a different story. But uh, look, you can understand communities wanting to keep. Uh, people out who are, are not supposed to be there or who could have come from exposed areas. There's been a lot of shaming uh, in the United States, for example, about uh, quote-unquote influencers uh, who are taking their family on a road trip to escape from New York, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. You know, there's a stay-in-place order. Uh, people mm-hmm. are being asked if they've been anywhere near New York to, to uh, self-isolate for 14 days. So, uh, you know, again, this sort of this sort of lays bare a lot of things about our society, but um, economic differences, economic inequalities certainly among
0: them. Indeed. Who knows how this will – I mean, no one knows how it's going to end up, and uh, who knows in maybe six months' time when it's finished, we will be looking at a very different society altogether, I would think. Celeste, let's keep smiling. I hope you stay well, and uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Okay, thanks. Stay well. Thanks. Celeste Katz in Boston.